Hello and welcome to the Dialogue Central podcast. I'm Elisa. I'm Maha. I'm Elise. I'm also Elise. And I'm Aditya. And today we will be talking about some of the best scientific discoveries of 2022, which of course is the year which just passed. So originally this idea started as a STEM talk, which I would have given in STEM Talk Society. But then as Science Week is coming up, we decided to turn it into a more discussion-based session. So now it's turned into a podcast. So we'll start with the first topic, which is the woolly mammoth. So uh, one morning in June, a miner who was working in the fields of Canada's Yukon Territory discovered a wall of permafrost, or frozen earth. Um, and then cutting into that wall, they found a woolly mammoth, which was probably from about 30,000 years ago. So what's really amazing about this is that it's one of two woolly mammoths that have been preserved so well because before we only had certain fragments or certain bones but now we have a complete image which of course considering people want to recreate the woolly mammoth by 2027 finding a fully preserved baby woolly mammoth would be a great step on the way. What extent do you think it's feasible if we do get an unfrozen mammoth to rekindle its DNA and therefore almost clone a new mammoth? Well, I think there are kind of two phases to that. One is, of course, are we scientifically able to do that yet with the technology we have? And number two, would it be ethically correct to bring back a woolly mammoth when there are other species which are also endangered and then it's, should we bring back another extinct animal to maybe possibly disrupt or affect the ecosystem, or is that a good thing? Yeah, because I think a lot of discussions have been taking place as well, such as lots of people thought about cloning as well as artificial insemination and genome editing. But like you said, it's all about how we analyze ethics today, and we have to take a view of not just scientists, but what other people think. What I thought was really interesting is how like the permafrost managed to complete like preserve the whole mammoth. And I was thinking about um I was gonna ask you what are your thoughts on this? How do you think it's I think it's pretty cool. Because <laughs> yeah. I mean it shows like the power like nature has because I believe the last time a group of woolly mammoths were survived was about sixteen fifty BC and that's a long time. And it's quite interesting the way that preservation works. So basically, because it was in ice, the decomposition slowed down because there was a lack of heat, oxygen, and other elements which are required for microbes and decomposers. As a result, nature was able to preserve it. There was no man-made preservation in it. Yeah, so it preserved all kinds of things like soft tissue, muscles, skin, hair, and of course, important information like DNA, which can be useful to us. So the next topic we can talk about is ChatGPT, which I'm sure is a very topical discussion at the moment. Um, So regarding ChatGPT, of course there are some ethical issues of using it, but the question is, if we start relying on ChatGPT, how far can we go? Because the way ChatGPT works is by using data that humans have created. So if we fully start relying on it, it will never improve, and therefore we will never improve. So that might halt human progress. 
Yes, I also think another thing with ChatGPT is that, as you were saying, it was created by, well, it was created and used sources that come from humans, and that's outdated or hasn't been updated, because every time they make a new ChatGPT, of course, they'll update it, but it will only go to a certain level, and so you'll never really move forward in that way. Plus, I think if everyone relies on ChatGPT for creativity you don't really foster your own creativity, which I think is really the essence of creativity itself, Mm -hmm. that you're trying to portray your message to the world and the way your mind thinks rather than just an amalgamation of what's already there. I think a good idea would probably be like finding a right balance to how we can use it because obviously it does have significant benefits. And if we take this technology further using OpenAI software, we can see where that'll take us. But I feel it's important to know when we draw boundaries with it because that again comes into the whole conversation about are we the masters of technology or is technology gaining control over us? I think what you said about creativity is really important because you're, you're right, if we start relying on AI, it's obviously not the most creative thing and creativity comes from each individual person. But for certain things, which I found really amazing, um, last week we were in computer science and we'd all finished this work, but she said, try, try, our teacher said, try typing it in ChatGPT to write this Python program. And it did it perfectly. And it was a really hard thing to do. So it was a really like, enlightening thing for us to see how amazing this AI really was. And regarding creativity, I know this may sound a bit pessimistic, but what creativity is, is the inspiration from around the world with your own unique twist on it. And that's sometimes what AI, especially ChatGBT, is able to do. I've seen a few YouTube videos where they're able to design their own websites or their own design schemes for new businesses. And instead of going to a consultant firm which does that for you, maybe having to pay 50,000 dirhams uh, a year, you go to ChatGBT for free and you're able to do it. And in my opinion, it's near the same quality. So with a fine tweak, it's able to get there. And so in that way, ChatGPT can be dangerous because essentially it could create its own malware um, and that can be customized and it can create computerized codes. So ChatGPT has its own dangers in that sense. I feel like it can either be a blessing or a curse, depending on the regulations around it. So as Maha was saying, I think it's a really good thing, especially that ChatGPT is free. So people who can't, as you were saying, afford really expensive things can almost use it as an asset. But I feel as though sometimes you have to use ChatGPT, but put your personal twist on it and adapt it. Because for instance, if you write a whole story using ChatGPT, you can't actually commercialize it as your own story yeah. under copyright law. So you can, u- I feel like you can use ChatGPT as an inspiration, as a, almost a prompt, a stepping stone, yeah. but you can't just, just use it. It's sort of like, it's like you could say it's sort of a stimuli we can take in and a foundation base to what we can but in our ideas, obviously, you know what ChatGPT says. Also, about it being free, I think that they're still in the like terms of developing it. So I think I've heard discussion that it might start to become paid. So then that would obviously be a downside to people who can't afford it. Because I imagine it would be quite expensive considering it's a really powerful and amazing AI. I mean, considering that, the popularity or rate of growth of popularity for ChatGPT has been immense compared to search engines like Google. I think... 
correct me if I'm wrong, but in the first week of Google, around 600,000 people used it. But in the first week of ChatGBT, around 13, billion, sorry, 13 million users, unique users every single day started to occur. So the next topic we'll be talking about is, well, things to do with space. So namely the James Webb Space Telescope and some of NASA's work on asteroid collision. So from what I know, NASA created the DART program and what it did was it took an asteroid that was not going to collide with Earth at any point in the near future and they decided to test this um device which they were going to use to collide the asteroid and then push it off its trajectory into another direction or destroy it, which is what they successfully managed to do. And the aim of that is to, in the future, if an asteroid seems as though it would hit Earth, they would use that to make it change its path. Mm. Is anyone aware about the science behind it or what NASA did? Um... I guess because I'm sure it would involve like a lot of research and... Of course, definitely. So from what I know, um, it was mission controlled at John Hopkins Applied Physics Laboratory and they announced the successful impact um, late last year. Um, And what it did was... So it took the... Eventually, the DART program is like a rocket in the like most basic sense. It took 11 yeah. hours and yeah. 55 minutes to orbit, and then it, once it eventually reached the asteroid, it was actually it was able to change its course, and it was the first time that's ever been done, which was a really big step for NASA, as it shows that they can prevent many upcoming dangers that are targeting the Earth. Yeah, also this was a really expensive project. It cost $324.5 million uh, spent on spacecraft development and $68.8 million on the launch services. So it was a great piece of technology, but it did cost quite a lot. What are your guys' like, I would say, opinions on investing so much in space technology? Because, yeah, Maha. I mean, it's quite controversial, but I think this is one of the pieces of technology that people with even a dichotomous view might still agree upon. And that's because with other pieces of technology for space exploration, it's more or less arguing, oh, we'll go to another planet and almost forsake this planet in hopes for a better home. But in this case, it's almost saying we're protecting this planet through uh, space technology. So because it's quite an eminent um, problem, uh, I think that this is something that NASA should continue doing because it's a lot less controversial than other more ambitious pieces of space. Uh, space exploration. Yes, for instance, the whole mission to Mars exactly. (laughs) I completely agree. I think it's a really important, like, project that they've done. And this is one that's going to be much more supported than others, just because of how imminent and impressive and exciting that it is and how important it is for the Earth that we are living in today. Instead of journeying off somewhere else with really ambitious goals, it's just more about protecting the place we're at and continuing to live here. Yeah. So, would anyone like to talk about the James Webb Telescope? Yeah, so it was a $10 billion observatory and one of the largest and most powerful space telescopes to date. Um, it released many um, important scientific images, 
So it's re-imaged the Phantom Galaxy, it's shown mysterious ripples around the Wolf-Rayet star, um, it's found many distant galaxies that were formed almost 400 million years of the Big Bang, um, and that's led to many different discoveries. I think it's really amazing because the last similar telescope that we had was Hubble, and I feel like that was a long time ago, so now we have all this updated technology, infrared imaging, yeah. uh, that's more efficient than the, anything used on the Hubble telescope. And now we can see, as Elise said, all these amazing things like the distant galaxies and things. We just learn more about the universe we're living in. Right, and I think because of the progressing technology in the Hubble telescope, the commercial side of telescopes is also becoming more expansive. So there are telescopes now which use the concept of light buckets, meaning stars from distant galaxies take time for their photons to reach the Earth. So the longer the light bucket is open to absorb more photons, the more information it can get to create an image of those stars. And because that's becoming more commercial, more people can understand and embrace the art of not only the James Webb Telescope, but the more vague and mysterious part of the galaxy. Um, I've also read that they're both reflecting telescopes, which can tell us that the main foundation that was laid from the Hubble is being carried on. That's really interesting though, and the James Webb Telescope, it eventually we'll be able to spot the first slice ever created in the universe because it can see 13.8 billion light years away. So of course that's going to take a long time to reach us, but when that does happen, I think that might unlock a lot more about the Big Bang or another theory that perhaps contradicts the Big Bang. Yeah. And I think the great use of infrared technology mm -hmm. and infrared therapy, which is different from other telescopes because Infrared is also used in many other sources relevant to humans, like relaxation, improving blood circulation, etc. So if we're able to develop this technology for outer space research, we can do a lot more in our own Earth today. So yes, I think that's been a brilliant discussion. And on, of course, that was only a tiny segment of it. There were so many amazing things that happened in 2022. And we can only hope that all this scientific discovery will continue this year too. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.